take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of John. Glad you're here today. Aren't you glad to breathe the air in the new year? Kind of smells like the air from last year, doesn't it? Aren't you glad that we have a God who's not bound by time? And y'all, do pray for our faith families. And if you've been exposed at all or if you just feel at risk, do wear a mask if you feel that helps. Uh, I had to wear a mask all last week because during Christmas break, I had some exposure. And so we, uh, I had the, I told y'all, I had the, if you're a guest, I had the Old Testament version of uh, coronavirus in July. That's the Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. I thought I was going to die. It knocked me out of work for almost a month. It was rough. So the stuff's real. Don't minimize that. But God's still faithful. And if I died, I'd went to heaven. And if I lived, I lived with whatever complications I have left over from it. But So we're not afraid of it. But, again, you won't offend anybody by moving. So you all understand that if you see somebody beside you, they start hacking and coughing. You might say, hmm. Normally we say, that poor person's got a cold. Not me. I'm like, they got COVID. I'm going. I'm, I'm moving, right? So, uh, so, but if you've been around somebody with it, just wear a mask. I had to wear a mask all last week at school. The most uncomfortable thing, period. But it does, uh, it, it minimizes. I guess it'll stop somebody at least blowing snot on you. I don't know. All right. Let's get into the word today. Because it's moving fast. There's a lot of folks out today. If you sit around and see people, pray for them. That I know of uh, several families that have COVID already, and they're sitting at home watching us by Facebook or by YouTube this morning. So uh, we're praying for you guys. Pray for them this morning when we had a time of prayer. All right, John chapter 7. We're going to dive in right here. But we're going to back up to verse uh, chapter 6. Matter of fact, last week I didn't preach. Mike was preaching, and Mike, you did a great job. Did Mike do a good job last week taking us through that the Lord Jesus Christ is the bread of life? And then he got a good visual. He got to do the Lord's Supper. He preached the word and then got to actually show you what he was talking about. So uh, thank you, Mike, for doing that. I'm glad that we have gifted men, ladies in our church who can actually uh, get the word of God out and all the media team that helps get that to those that are home. I was sitting at home. I got to sit in my home in my pajamas and watch TV and drink coffee and eat sausage balls or something. I don't know what I was doing, but, uh, but it, it was different. What was missing is, and what people miss today, and it's going to be in the sermon today, just because the Lord put it there, is people are getting convenient. It's okay to be home. I'm okay to be by myself. This life is okay. I can make it through by myself. You heard people talk like that? Yeah, they've, they've gotten complacent. You can't make it through this life on your own. As Adrian talked about earlier this morning, listen, we need us together. The Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens, to carry it together. Our children need it, our wives, our husbands, we need it together to be one in the body of Christ so that we might go forward. All right, John chapter 7, and we're going to put it in reverse back up to chapter 6 to verse 65. I won't preach, re-preach what Mike preached last week. Jesus just told everybody that he was the bread of life, take my body and eat. And they're like, cannibalism? What are you talking about? Take my blood and drink. And we know, that we, we, we could say, well, these people were just plain foolish. He didn't mean much on my skin, right? He's not telling them to take a snack of Jesus. But did you know there's at least two denominations today that teach that? The Roman Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church still teach that you're eating Jesus when you take communion. We eat a cracker in remembrance of his body. We drink juice in remembrance of the blood that was spilt. It's symbolic of what happened on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's also a reminder that he's coming again, going to split the eastern sky. That's why we take it. But there are so, so we can say these people were just foolish. They thought you were going to actually eat Jesus. Some of your friends, some of y'all maybe, when you, if you grew up in the Catholic Church, when you took that wafer and the priest blessed it, he turned it into, magically into, 
are blessed. They won't say magic, but they turned it into the body of Christ. Jesus Christ will not be crucified again for you. Amen? He died once and for all, the Scripture says. Amen? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and that's saved one time, and it's forever. He won't die again and again and again, no matter how many men pray a prayer, do a sign in the air, and give it to you. Just remember that when you go out from here today. He won't die again for anyone. He has died once and for all. Here he goes. Verse 65, and he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Well, I'm not trying to smack on every church, but have y'all been in a seeker-sensitive church before? They create music's crazy, it's jammy, it's awesome, but it's just crazy. Light showed, lights are pulled down dim, it's blacked out everywhere, and the music's really good, and the focus is on being positive that God loves you. And they say, We're here for the seekers, those who haven't don't go to church, those who don't know Christ and are looking for Christ. Can I tell you? The Bible says there's no one who seeks after God, no, not one. You want to counter that with your philosophy, theology, whatever it might be? You go against what God says. And then Jesus comes back and says, none of you are going to come to me unless the Father draws you to myself. Well, let me tell you, the Father's not going to draw you to himself at the local beer joint. He's not going to draw you to himself when you're occupied with all the fun things that, that satisfy the flesh. He's not going to draw you to himself then and there. You say, well, I was saved in that situation. Well, let's talk about it. When you usually get saved... Well, when you always get saved, it's under the Word of God. When God speaks a word to you and you actually hear from God through a preaching message, through a song, through a prayer, through a funeral service, who, who knows how you would hear, but it's when you actually hear from the Word of God that God says, okay, now I want you to come and be part of my family. The Bible says He draws you. Jesus said He draws you to Himself. You get to a place where you can actually hear Him, and usually you hit the bottom before you get to the top of the mountain with Him. You're depressed, you're financially in the woes, and your relationships are torn all apart, and you're like, I have nowhere else to turn, and that's where Jesus likes for you to be, right? That's when he makes you turn, he says, listen, I'm right here, I've been waiting the whole time, I've been letting you go through all of that, so you turn and see me, because I'm trying to draw you to myself. And then he, all he says is what? Come. Uh, my, my burdens are not heavy, but they're what? Light. Take my yoke upon you is what he says. Let, let me lead you. Let me guide you through life. I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you how long? To the end of the age. And there is no end with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Okay, now let's jump back into it. Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples, and disciples of followers, went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Now then, chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not uh, want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. So the question, the elementary question is, why did he not want to walk around in Judea or to Jerusalem where the temple was? The spiritual leadership, the religious leadership wanted to kill him. That's what the Bible says, all right? 
Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one does anything in a secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is already always ready. The world cannot hate you because it hates me, because I testify of it that, it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone away, gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret or privately. Let's pray together. Father God, bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word today. I pray in Jesus' name and for your sake. Amen. Well, take your notes if you got them, and I want to show you a couple things from the word of God. When the truths of King Jesus and the truths about his kingdom are shared, some are drawn to him and many turn away. Is that true today? That was true when he walked here. Can you imagine you had God, Emmanuel, with you, walking with you, teaching you the things of the kingdom, and people thought they were better than he? Isn't it amazing to think that actually these people thought they had more, they were more learned than God himself? And I used to always have, have complications with it. Well, they knew the law. How in the world did they not recognize that the law spoke clearly about him? The law pointed directly to the Messiah. Everything that he did, the miracles that he did, the law was pointing directly to Jesus. No man can do these things, Nicodemus said in John chapter 3, unless God be with him. So there was even a recognition of the religious leaders when they met behind closed doors saying, hey, this man has to be from God because of the things that he does. He's walking on water. He's feeding 5,000 plus. He's doing all these miraculous things. We know that he is from God, yet we will not believe. You'll see Nicodemus, he gets a little chided in. He gets chided by the leadership. And then we'll see Nicodemus at the end of Jesus' life be very the one, one of the very ones that actually helped bury him so we know that he actually come to know Jesus Christ in his life. The deep truths Jesus shared were and are often misunderstood. Eating his body, what was he saying? Just partake in my fellowship. So what he's saying, be part of me, you and me and me and you. Uh, John 15, we'll get there. He talks about being in the vine and, and, and being the, the, uh, the father being the vine dresser. Jesus, God the Son, knew some would reject him and some would, some would receive the truth, his truth. Even Jesus' earthly half-brother suffered from unbelief. Can you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus? Your mama's favorite. You never do anything wrong. Did he? No, because he couldn't. He was God. He was God in flesh. He was always perfect. This reminds me, if you go back and look, not that Joseph was uh, perfect, but you read an Old Testament version, it kind of throws back to Joseph and his brothers. Joseph being the favorite child. Jesus here being the eldest, obviously the firstborn born of a virgin, that he actually now is the older brother. He's in his 30s. So this is not some kid conversation. This is some grown-up conversation they're having, saying, listen, hey, Jesus, we want you to go to town. If you're, if you're the Messiah, let's go up to Judea. And the things you're doing, those miracles, those small-town miracles, let's take it to the big stage. And that what so many people suffer with whenever they, even on this platform, if you're not careful, or when you get a platform, you want to perform instead of praise. You want to get a place where everybody looks at me and hears me instead of actually turns their attention to him. So when we're mindful, listen, when we come to the place in the front, 
You have to check yourself at the door. You have to check yourself in prayer. And the Lord, am I right to preach? Am I right to sing? Am I right to praise? Because, Lord, I know my tendencies. My tendencies are to be seen, to be heard, my opinion. And preachers especially today, y'all, I want to tell you, whoever has the pulpit has the voice. We have the microphone on. And sometimes if you're not careful, your ego can step into the place if you don't go through the Word of God. So many preachers will preach or teach one verse and then t- turn it into a motivational speech. But at the same time, you don't want to be a condemnation speech. We want to preach the Word for what it is. But when you walk out those doors, depending on what your life situation is, you'll say, man, I feel condemned. It's because your heart condemns you, and the Word of God has said, yep, what you're doing is sin. You need to fix that mess and get right with God. Or you'll walk out and go, wow, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I amen to almost everything that was said today because it applied to my life. And there's everybody in between. And I've told you time and time again, if you're a guest, don't come up to me and say, well, man, you stepped on my toes today. I am not the stepper of toes, just for the record. It's the Word of God that should step on your toes and change your life because if I do it, somebody else can unstep those toes and make them better, right? If the Word of God says it and steps on your toes and applies in your life, deeply into your life, that truth is something I've been avoiding or I've been fighting or I've been trying to be away from because if I hear that, I know God's convicted me in my heart core. i got to do something about it or I have to stay in rebellion. That's where these people were. John chapter 3 tells us that Nicodemus and all of these leaders knew that Jesus Christ was from God. They could not deny the miraculous powers and things that he did. So they had this full knowledge, but they yet had planned to kill him, the very religious people. And you say, well, why? If they follow the law of Moses, they couldn't. They would lay off hands. We'll continue and see. It's actually next week's message, but I'll give you a, I'll, I'll go and give a spoiler alert. I'll, I'll tell it to you. Look at your notes. Jesus, in verse 65, Jesus always speaks with clarity. He spoke with clarity before time began. He spoke with clarity in the Old Testament. He spoke with clarity in the New Testament, and he speaks with clarity today. If you have a problem, you have a situation that you're looking, Lord, I just don't have the answer to, wait. Sometimes he lets you wait. Waiting is the worst thing we want to do, isn't it? What college do I go to? I'm about to graduate high school. Do I take this job change? Do I marry this person? Do I go here? Do I go there? All these decisions we have to make, sometimes the Lord tells us, hey, just wait. And what happens in the waiting? Peter tells us that God is building something within us. He's building perseverance that we might actually extend and our faith would go from this. It's like a big old piece of bubble gum. Y'all ever chew that bubble gum in the pouch? You ever get it? My kids used to love it. It looks like tobacco, but it's bubble gum. Pink. Uh, big League Chew, that's exactly the name of it. And you just take it and it just keeps growing in your mouth. It's awesome. You blow a bubble bigger than your head, well, I can whenever, when I get a mouthful of it. And that's the way, listen, what God does to your faith, sometimes he'll stretch it and stretch it, and you feel like it's going to pop. And he goes, I know how much more room's in there. And he's going to let it continue to go until it's time, and then he's going to release you to that mission. You say, well, how do I know when it's time to do it? You don't. But you keep doing what he's called you to do right here, right now, until he clearly, with clarity, gives you the next mission. Don't go looking for something to do. Wait upon the Lord, and he will give it to you. It'll be so evident you can't miss it. He provides his future for you and for me with clarity. And it's his will. Don't seek. What is his will for my life? That's the wrong question. The wrong question you'll learn in experiencing God is what is his will? I want to do his will. I told our Bible class so many times when I heard that when I was a kid, I thought God's will was some kind of secret mystery that you had to find out. 
like you had to sneak around and see if you could just catch God and see his will. How about you? What is God's will? And our students can tell you. Tell me what God's will is. Somebody went to the academy. Students, tell me what is God's will. What's his will? Shout it out. You can. Open for him. What is it? To bring glory. Is it God's will to bring glory to God? Yes, that's his will. Give me another. What is God's will? All right, you're not in the academy, but you can't. But our love the Lord with all you got. That's right. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him. That is the will of God. Somebody else. You don't have to be in the academy. I'm messing. Come on, what's the will of God? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And teach them everything that Jesus taught his disciples. And remember, he's always with us, right? That's our responsibility. That is the will of God. Somebody else, what is the will of God? The word of God. Cover to cover, listen, not the glossary, not the index, not the, not the pages, not the maps, but everything in between. That's the will of God. Somebody else, what's the will of God? To praise Him. The Bible says He inhabits the praise of His people. He comes in, even though He's here, He lives within me, but He inhabits the praise of His people. He said, I don't feel like singing today. Well, tell God to check it out the door. Or should you check yourself at the door? Amen? He wants to be with you. He loves you because his nature is love. What else is God's will? Anybody? To give to, to the Lord, right? And what you do, you're giving to him. Somebody said, what if everybody stops giving? And I said, we'll sell the church. It isn't my responsibility, right? Don't you love the way Derek presents the, the uh, administrative budget? If you ever have a question for him, he goes, these aren't my numbers. These are yours. I love it because I've never had anybody say that. Hey, I don't believe we should have that much money. Then let's cut something out, right? But no one person gives the whole budget, do they? So FYI, no one person is going to upset the apple cart in this church. You don't give enough to upset the apple cart, right? If you don't give enough to buy the toilet paper in the church, you don't have much to say. Would you agree? We're all in this thing together as unto the Lord. All of our... All of our works and all of our uh, opportunities should be, hey, let's bring glory to the name of God. Every Bible study, every time we have a song, everything, every have a prayer, every time we keep the babies in the nursery, every time we teach the children, the youth, no matter what, it should be for the glory of God. That is the will of God that we actually follow His will. His will is multifaceted. It's like looking into a diamond. You see all kind of different beautiful colors and angles. It's not just one thing. There is not just one God's will, if you will. It's multifaceted. You're going to see it is God's will that we not steal. It's God's will that we not commit adultery. It's God's will. Go down the list of the Ten Commandments. Those are the God's will. Coming to the New Testament, it's God's will that we not return evil for evil. It's God's will that we think of others greater than ourselves. It's God's will. And just get to Romans 12, you'll see it's God's will, it's God's will, it's God's will. Now, do you understand what God's will is? It's multifaceted. Your situation needs that facet of God's will. In this situation here, Jesus always speaks with clarity. Even if the teaching is a deep truth, the Holy Spirit will help you understand it. <clears throat> is that true? Go to John chapter 8. Just flip over one channel. This will be one channel. One chapter. Go to verse 31. And this is obviously Jesus speaking to the same religious leaders getting into arguments with Jesus. He talks about his future leaving we think Martin Luther King came up with this. 
Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen? Martin Luther King borrowed that from Jesus. But most of our kids in public school, if they get to read that, they'll, they won't know they're even reading scripture anymore because we try to kick God out of, chur- out of church, yeah, that's true too, and out of school. And we can't figure out what's wrong with our society. But listen, not only is the truth, watch out, go all the way down to verse 36. Here's the real truth that, uh, tied to it. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? If Jesus sets you free, how does he set you free? You bring all your baggage, your bondage, you bring everything to Jesus Christ. Say, I can't do this anymore. When he calls you and say, Lord, I give it to you. I exchange my junk for all of eternity, for heavenly rewards, for all the good things that you provide for me. I exchange my sorriness, my sinfulness for everything that you have. And that's heaven, glory, eternal life, being with Jesus, seeing our loved ones. You go in, you, would you want to trade any of that today, y'all? Your junk for something that's new? You ever went and trade your car and hope they don't test drive it down the road because there's something wrong, something's going to fall off and you're about to trade up? Or have you ever bought a car and something was wrong with it? Yeah, I, I bought that last car that way. Not with Jesus. He always speaks with clarity. He's always going to give you the truth. If you don't fully understand it, he'll make it. Just wait. He says, you don't even have a need for a teacher. He'll teach you. Now, we need disciple makers. Obviously, that's not just a full truth by itself. It's a, a truth, but you need disciples. Verse 66, watch this. Many shallow disciples abandoned Jesus and never returned. You know why? Because everybody is coming to what feast? This is called, it's a, it's a Hebrew word. It's, called, it's, it's spelled S-U-K-K-U-T, O-T. And it's the Sukkot, is how you say it. This is the Feast of Booths. Anybody ever remember that from Leviticus? It's on down, I'll show it to you. It's where they had to come. Every male, 20 years old and older, had to come to three festivals a year. They had to come back to the place appointed by God. So this place is full of mayhem. There's people crawling all over the place. And everybody's trying to get sticks and branches and try to build them a shelter because they have to live in a booth for the whole week. It's a mix between uh, maybe a Lord's Supper for us, a remembrance, or a Thanksgiving celebration. Everybody, the whole family is coming back to town, and it's full of people everywhere. This is why the Jews' leaders are looking for Jesus. They can't see him because all the men would have a head covering they would walk with, and everybody looked the same. Uh, this was a Jewish celebration. We'll see what actually the part of it is. And the, by the way, the celebration is simply this. God provides and God delivers. It's when they were coming out of Egypt. And they had a place that God provided for 40 years for them. This is the celebration that God commanded them to keep. So many shallow disciples abandoned Jesus and never returned. And I said, I wonder if they had COVID during that time. Doesn't that sound like the church today? I can't go to church. Somebody might be sick. But I can go to Walmart, Lowe's, Aldi's. I take my car to get old change. I take my kids to school. I can go to work. Work 40 hours a week, right? 60 hours a week. But I just can't go to church because I don't trust that they clean that church. Good enough for me, right? Just for the record, that's a NASA air purifier. That's a NASA air purifier. That's a NASA air purifier. And there's one of them you can't see. Do y'all hear them? If you get quiet, you can hear them running. They suck in all your nasty air and giving you some clean air. That's what they're doing. Running it through ultraviolet lights. 
So just for the record, this is probably the cleanest area we have in the whole building, even though every room has one. If you look at those black boxes going down the hall. We invested so that we could actually do whatever we could to mitigate, right, mitigate this, this disease. It's real. But listen, it should be this place you can come to. You can even pull a chair in if you wanted to. And he's, Adrian joked about the choir, but you can sit in the choir. It don't bother me whatsoever. You can sit on the piano and play while I'm preaching. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I was a children's minister for 13 years. Noise and movement doesn't bother me. Just don't come up on me quickly because security might put you down in the name of Jesus, okay? Just don't, just don't come up here really quick. If you have something to say, just tell me. Raise your hand and I'll acknowledge it, but uh, we don't want you to get shot in the house of God, okay? But look at what the Lord says. Listen, many shallow disciples abandoned him because what? These teachings are too deep. Man, just give me the old-time religion. And that's what these fellows had. They had their own teachings. This is why I, I was so confused so many times when I read this. Like, But they knew the Old Testament. They memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And yet they sought to kill the Messiah that they knew who he was. Do we have 100% guarantee they knew who he was? Answer, yes. Nicodemus said so. We know the leaders that Nicodemus was the ruler of the Jews. So he's in there having the conversation. We know that you're from God. But they even know when he was born because they talk about his daddy, trying to shame him later on. What did the scribes and Pharisees, what did Herod do? He called him in and said, where is he to be born, king of the Jews? Uh, uh, Bethlehem. It's in Bethlehem. It's where he's supposed to be born. Told the Magi, go, to Beth- go, go see the king. Bring back word so I might come and worship him. And, of course, God warned them in a dream. We read that through Christmas, right? The people knew that Jesus was the Messiah. John the Baptist preached, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they said, are you, and then the leader said, are, are, you, are you the Messiah? He says, No, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the forerunner that Isaiah said was coming. Isaiah prophesied about me. I'm prophesying about Jesus. I'm telling you, that's him right over there. Look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was John the Baptist's testimony speaking about Jesus Christ, and he pointed him out. The men and women of this time did not misunderstand who Jesus was. They saw the miracles. They heard the witness. They heard the testimony, yet they chose not to believe because they would lose their status in this world. They would lose their place in this world. And they chose eternity in hell instead of eternity in heaven because of their social status and because of where they wanted to be because they were comfortable in this life. God forbid. Are people doing that today? These shallow disciples live today as well. But look, next in verses 68 69, Peter believed. He expressed to Jesus how the remaining disciples had come to believe. Come to believe. It was a process. They were watching him too. They had heard the things he said. They'd watched the things that he had did, they had done. They had come to believe that he was the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's like, where else can we go? We have found the one we've been looking for. That's how true disciples are. Even in the tough times, somebody says, you still believe in Jesus after having cancer? Do you still believe in Jesus after that heart disease, after that breakup, after that person stole from you, after that church hurt? Fill in the blank, whatever you might have. And if you still believe in Jesus, you're just like Peter going, hey, where else can I go? I know the one. Amen. I know who I believe in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which he's committed to me until that day. Y'all remember singing that song as a kid? Anybody who knows that song? Well, we got we got all right, Christian. We got to go back to this. We got to throw back sometimes. All right. 
Peter believed. Verse 1, going to chapter 7, the unbelieving religious leaders were looking to kill Jesus. Why? Because if he's the Messiah, they lose their job. If he's the Messiah, they have no place in society anymore. So they thought. What would Jesus have done with these? Just think for a moment. Just think of the plan of God. What would Jesus do? What would you do? Let's say you're an employer, and you come to take over the corporation. You're the undercover boss. And you got all these men who are versed in the Old Testament. What would you do with them? If they received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you think God would put a call in their life to be a pastor at a local church? 100%. He would not have wasted their investment in their knowledge. He would not have wasted their time. He would actually brought glory to his name through those same men if they would only have believed on the name of Jesus Christ. Well, how about people today? People that are gifted to make money, people that are gifted in administration, people that are gifted so many different ways, yet they're afraid if I, if I even name the name of Jesus Christ, I'll be fired. So what? We have an extra bedroom you can stay in our house until you find another place and another job. And I know there's people in the church who would let you stay in their homes until you find another job. You say, well, it's not that easy. I used to work as an insurance underwriter for Farm Bureau. It is that work. Is it uncomfortable? Oh, yes. Is it a rough uh, field to plow? Yes. That place I worked at was rough. But God told me to start a Bible study at my lunch hour at Farm Bureau years ago. I'm like, but God, these people are talking about going to the club. These people don't care nothing about Jesus. He said, you teach them uh, the Bible study lesson. I said, what, what lesson would I teach? My Sunday school lesson, my Sunday school teacher at that time, older man, I was young. He walked in and said, hey, we're moving to Florida in two weeks. One of y'all got to teach. One of y'all young couples got to step up and teach. And everybody was like, hmm, not us. Everybody did the same thing. We cringed at the same time. You ever been there? And Wendy, that second Sunday, Wendy sat us by the window, which was like a tubed room. There was no way out but that one door. So we were the last couple out. Whether she set me up or not, I don't know, my wife. But he walked out, and he threw it in the seat. He walked through it in the teacher's seat and said, oh, you're the last one. It looks like you're teaching. He said, we're gone. Now, the pastors got in touch with me. Nobody did. I just picked it up. I'm like, what in the world? I don't know how to teach this. So I opened it up. I'm like, oh, it says start with prayer. I'm like, okay, I like to pray. I, I can do that. Read this Bible verse. Well, I can do that. Have this discussion question because we always know when you teach, there's always people that are smarter than you in the room, right? I'm very well aware that there's people smarter than me in this room right here. People watching by video that, hey, what about this? You said this. What about this? Sometimes i got to go back and fix some things, right? Maybe it's something I didn't pronounce properly in Hebrew or a Greek word. We'll go back and fix it. But the truth of the word of God would come in and say, these are forever words. So I started teaching Sunday school, and it went from 10 people to 15. From 15, ended up getting up to around 90 people in Sunday school. Brenda was working at the church. She didn't write, Brenda. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I was, I was just like, I'm just teaching. People are showing up. Why are they showing up? You have to split this room and make it more people. I said, take whoever you want. I don't want these people. I mean, it's so, so many people in the room. And then God told you start teaching that Sunday school lesson on Tuesday at Farm Bureau. I was like, Lord. So guess what I started teaching? I taught it on Sunday. And then I turned back around. And I wasn't interested in being a preacher, even though I felt God calling me. I teach it on Tuesday. And I went and said, hey, HR. Man was an Episcopal, but he had a sipping problem. And I said, uh, hey, I want to start a Bible study during my lunch hour, or lunch, 45 minutes, in, the, in lunch area. Can I do it? He goes, 
ooh, ooh, I'm not sure we can do that. He said, I'm religious too, but I'm not sure we can do that. And I was like, it's my right to do it. I'll do it outside if I have to. He goes, no, I'll, let me run it by vice president. Run it by. They said yes, but only keep it, don't be proselytizing in the, in the building because it was multi-story. Okay, so they said, we're going to give you a room. They gave me a junk room upstairs, way back in the hallway, just a junk, raggedy room. And I go in, I prop the door open. One lady comes, and that's it. And I said, hey, if you don't mind, could you sit down there because I don't want anybody to ever say, I was behind closed doors with another lady because I, I cherish my marriage, right? So we talked. Lesson was everyone left out, and the guy came in. He said, hey, man, come here. I know you're trying to do a good thing. We all know you're trying to do a good thing. But that girl you were sitting there in your Bible study class, she's already got somebody fired because she accused him of something inappropriate. And there's children still in here, so I won't say what she accused him of, but you know. I'm like, great, Lord. This is how you treat me. I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're going to give me this raggedy room and with this accuser in my room. I was just so upset. And then my vice president of my underwriting came in and said, hey, Clint, I need you to come to the office. I need you to go down next week. I need you to rub shoulders, talk insurance downtown. And uh, just represent us well. And I was like, when? He said, Tuesday. I said, I can't. He goes, why? I said, I got Bible study from, from 12 to 1245. I've already, I've already committed to that. He said, if you'll do it this one time, I'll let it go. Uh, I won't ask you ever again to do it on Tuesdays. I said, all right, no problem. But I said, I don't know how to tell people. And he said, get Janet out there to tell me. Because Janet was his secretary. And she was kind of. When I say the word dingy, I don't, it's not insulted. My wife's kind of like, let's go. She was a cheerleader, right? Let's just go. That's the way Janet was. She goes, hey, what's going on, Clint? And I was new, still new there. And she said, um, I said, David told me to tell you to send an email to me, to me, intranets, what they called it, to me, so I could send it back out to people who was coming to Bible study or showed interest. She said, okay, what do you want to type? I said, look, Bible study canceled this Tuesday, rescheduled for next Tuesday, 12 to 1245. Hope to see you there. And she hits, <laughs> and she starts cringing. She goes, we're both getting fired. I'm like, well, I just did what he told me to do. She said, I was typing a message for him and had his vice president global code in my computer. And it went to every computer in Farm Bureau in South Carolina. You hear this yelling, Clint, Janet, get in here now. What have you done? And I'm like, hey, I just did what you said. It was her. I threw her, I threw her straight under the bus. He said, he said, what are you teaching even? I said, well, I showed him what I was teaching. He goes, oh, my goodness. He said, where are you meeting? I said, upstairs in this room. He said, the, he said in my computer, I went back. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I got my computer. said, Bible study canceled this Tuesday. Uh, rescheduled for next Tuesday, 12, 1245. Hope to see you there. Vice president of underwriting. It was a direct invitation from the vice president to be in the Bible study. And he goes, he says, you can't meet in a raggedy room upstairs. Janet, take him downstairs and show him you have full access to the executive boardroom. And I'm like, what? Because everybody wanted to go in the boardroom. You know, if you didn't, if you part of the executive staff, you didn't get to go back there. And so we, we walked by open doors. The music played, the sunshine. It was, it was really nice. We had whiteboards back then, all the technology back then. And this executive long boardroom, I was like, oh, man. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is faithful, right? We had 17 managers in Bible study the next week, field underwriters, field agents. People just piled in there because they wanted to be in good with the vice president. Standing room only. And here I am teaching. And he goes, okay, you did a good job. We're going to do it again next week. And that's what we had was the executive boardroom from then on. The Lord blessed. We had snacks. I'd be like, <laughs> all my other underwriting friends, we couldn't go in there. I'd be like, hey, y'all need some, anybody need some snacks? We got some snacks up here for y'all. 
Y'all, anybody need a water bottle? So it, it, was, it was one of those things that just God blessed. And out of that became, because I was close, obviously complaining, right? And then the Lord opened up the gates. If, I, if you just wait, wait upon the Lord, obey him, do it God's way, what happens, church? You get God's results every single time. That's what Jesus did. Peter believed. We moved down. Jesus, they, he knew they were wanting to kill him. The Bible says so. They knew he followed the law of Moses, and the law required all Jewish males to celebrate the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles or Sukkot, appearing before the Lord in the temple. They knew Jesus had to come to town because he was a follower of the law. If he truly was sent by God, he still lived in the Old Testament. He had to come to the Feast of Tabernacles. He had to celebrate this because it was mandatory for all Jewish males, 20 and over. This is one of the three feasts you had to come to. But it was packed full of people. That's why they were looking for him. But look, it goes on. And you can look at Deuteronomy 16. We don't have time for that. Go back and look at how the commands of God to Moses. Deuteronomy 16, and that's uh, 13 through 17, really. I put 16, 16. And then Leviticus 23, that's all the feast. And that's worth your time to read. And then Leviticus 23, 33 through 44 is actually the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Living in Tents. They would build these temporary shelters showing that God brought them out of Exodus. He brought them out of slavery into freedom. And they would stay in these little build huts every year. And they would come in and live in those places and celebrate because the harvest just happened. It was like our Thanksgiving. They would celebrate that God had been blessing them. He'd given them uh, grapes. He gave them wine to drink. He gave them food to eat. He was a good God, and they celebrated. He brought us out. He delivered us. Amen? Is that how we are today? When you get paid, do you celebrate? Anybody do a happy dance anymore? I used to, when I was a teenager, when I, used to get, when I got paid, I thought I was rich. I thought I had some money. And then, see how quick it would disappear, right? We lived in the 80s when inflation was crazy. But we should still celebrate the Lord today. Well, Jesus was the firstborn, verses 3 through 5. Therefore, he was the oldest. His brothers, in their unbelief, challenged Jesus to make himself known publicly to the world during the feast. Be careful. Even family would turn on you sometimes. You live in the same house. You eat the same table. You have the same, in this case, Mary was their mother. But Jesus actually had brothers and sisters, and the brothers are named in the Scripture. Our friends in the Catholic Church say this was his aunts and uncles. This was not his aunt and uncle. This was his brothers, according to what Scripture teaches us. So Jesus confronted his brothers in their unbelief with truth. Do you do that? The only way to confront is not to get nasty, not to get ugly, not to whine and cry like a little baby, but to speak the truth in love and leave it set where it is. Amen? Some people say, well, I don't like confrontation. Well, get over it. That's, that's what life's full of. Right? Somebody runs. A, you ever seen somebody run a traffic light? What do you do? Well, I just blow the horn and let them know, hey, that, that was an error, right? Right? The, the horn on your car is for safety, right? It ain't for calling your kids to the car. Hey, beep, beep. You just said, that was, nah, I saw that. It was red. I didn't run it with my car because so, I'm right. I have the green light. I can go. I can be right and be dead or I can be wronged, right, and wait my turn. Same here. Jesus confronted his brothers in their unbelief with truth. He waited on God for his time to be fully revealed. Jesus remained in Galilee. Y'all, this isn't just like he's going to go up and he's going to go to New Ellington. This is somewhere from 40 to 70 miles. People would travel in caravans and he said, told his brothers, y'all go ahead and go. And Jesus remained, but he 
knew, this is the, I was a, cryptolog, a cryptologic technician in the Navy. That was the secret things. Crypto meaning hidden. And this is what the word is here. Jesus didn't just secretly do this. Like he wouldn't hide from them because he was afraid. He was secretly doing this because it was God's timing. Jesus honored God's timeline and privately went to the Feast of Booths. This is his crypto. This is his behind the scenes, quiet and secret way to go up to the Feast, uh, the feast of Booths. In the middle of the vast crowds, the religious leaders looked diligently for him so they might persecute him. They wanted him dead because they wanted him out of their society because he was turning the world and his disciples were turning the world upside down, the Bible talks about. And the Bible even addresses this. Look at this. Does this sound like the church today if we're not careful? I'm glad this. I don't hear this much at Town Creek. Verse 11 and 12, even the crowd was stirred by the pursuits of the Jewish leadership. There was a lot of whispered discussions, the Amplified Bible says, and murmuring among the people. Y'all know God hates complaining? He hates complaining. That's why the, the people that even were brought out of Egypt, everybody over 20 had to die because they were complaining and murmuring against God. He let all the folks, middle-aged and senior adults, he killed them all in the desert. And then he delivered the 20s and under. God hates murmuring, y'all. He hates it. If y'all don't know that story, go read it for yourself. Some said he was good. Others said he misled people by giving them false ideas. This is what the scripture says. Oh, he's good. No, he's not. He talks about eating his body and drinking his blood. I bet you ate that sandwich, that fish sandwich he gave you down by the waterfront, didn't you? Did you were you one of those that ate the, the free bread and the free fish? You were the one saying you wanted to make him king. People are just like a pancake. They flip and they flop, don't they? No murmuring, church. Verse 13, finally, no one shared their opinion openly because they feared the religious and political leadership of their day. Does that sound like us today? We don't share Jesus. We know it's the will of God. Somebody said, Chris said, it's the will of God that we share the gospel. But if I share the gospel, I'll lose my job. If I share the gospel, I might get put in jail. If I share the gospel, fill in the blank, we have all kind of reasons why we don't do what he says to do. What's that called? When you don't do what God commands you to do, that's called what? Disobedience. That's sin. To know to do the right thing, James says, and not to do it, it's sin. You say, well, that you don't know my situation. I don't care about your situation, in a sense for me, but God does. And I care. I don't want you losing your job. Y'all know that, right? I, I don't want you to be persecuted, but the Bible says you're going to be. Just like these people wouldn't say anything. Don't say his name because if you say his name, they're going to get you, right? They're going to persecute you. They're going to call you one of those people. And what does Jesus say? Proclaim it from the rooftop, right? Because you can talk about God all day. That don't bother anybody. But you talk about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus either brings you together or it divides you really hard. There's no in-between, right? And don't use his name as a curse word. Jesus Christ is not your common curse word. Shouldn't be as a Christian. We should only use his name when we bring him glory. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. Amen? So for us today, we've got to live, even when this is an old, uh, a new, it's an Old Testament story in the New Testament. Y'all know that, right? Because Jesus hadn't died yet. There is no New Testament until he dies on the cross. That's the new covenant in his blood. So he dies, was buried, and rose again the third day according to Scripture. Then we have the New Testament. So Jesus is living throughout the Old Testament, obeying the Old Testament law. Here's your giveaway for next week to come back. He says, look, at, look ahead, read ahead. He 
was teaching in the temple. He goes up and he's teaching their letters. So this piece of Calvary had a rabbi who would teach a certain teaching. He, he forsook just the Old Testament teachings and he wrote his own letters. They would write their thoughts. It's kind of like uh, blogging today. A lot of people get their opinions from bloggers or vloggers. They might be dumb as a rock, but they, oh, I follow him, right? Because he, he, he makes a good point. Boy, he, he hates Trump. Well, he hates Biden. He hates whoever fill in the blank. I follow him or her. Isn't that how we do today? So these, these rabbis would have a vlog, a vlog or blog, blog, right? V or B. This rabbi would have some. This rabbi would have some. This rabbi and his followers, this son would have some. And they'd say, that's our teaching. That's what we follow. The traditions of men. Go back and look what the Bible says. You'll see that in the next couple of verses. They followed the teachings of their sect instead of the law. That's why they couldn't see that Jesus, they wouldn't see that Jesus was the Old Testament. So he gets up teaching the scripture, and then he gets up and teaches a little bit of their stuff that was true, a little bit of their stuff, a little bit of their stuff, their stuff, and their stuff. And everybody was in their own clubs when they come. Remember, it's a mass group of people, and they're like, hey, we did the oath. You can't get in our stuff unless you know the, the signal, right? We got that secret society, and nobody knows our junk, and he's teaching our junk. And then they didn't know each other's stuff, so they were like, they were upset. He's teaching our junk. They were te- teaching our junk. He's teaching, he's teaching. They were like, What's he, how do you know these letters? He ain't studied with us. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. We get to, we got a cryptogram next week. We'll, we'll, we'll break out. So. But, y'all, this week, don't let us get caught like the church, like these people who says, shallow disciples are going to cut and run when it gets tough. Or the truths get deep. Real disciples of Jesus will be like Peter. Where else can we go? Because we found the one. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you that I have found the one. There's no other place to go. I hope that you have. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you today. Listen, that's what we're here for. We ask the group to come this morning. And as we sing, uh, we're going to sing about all in with Jesus. Everything, my stuff, me, my heart. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, hey, let's talk about it. Let's like Peter, hey, we, we watched you, we heard you, and now we believe we have nowhere else to go but with you. Isn't that a sweet thing? And now we call him Saint Peter. And he was a rock, right? Hardhead sometimes. Aren't you glad God turns hardheads into saints? Praise God. Let's stand and sing together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love and care for us. And as we stand at this time, Lord, in your presence, Lord, you know every heart in the building. Some come with a lot of stress. Some's got issues going on physically, financially, emotionally. Lord, you know every detail better than we do. Lord, I pray you'd meet the, these folks at their point of need. But, Lord, those that are spiritually hungry today that are without Christ, oh, Lord, I pray they would not be a shallow disciple. I, I pray they would go all in, jump in the deep end with Jesus. That, Father, we could follow you and have eternal life. We need you. We love you. And, Lord, we thank you that you work in our hearts. Challenge us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, for our sake. Amen.